Hi, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this episode of the Next Step Podcast, where we help you take a next step. Our guest today on the show is Leo Sanchez. He's a professor of systematic theology at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis, and an author of numerous books and articles, including the recent Sculptor Spirit, Models of Sanctification from Spirit Christology. After a brief introduction, you'll hear Leo read from his foreword to the new book from Next Step Press called Come Holy Spirit, a daily discipleship travelogue for Easter to Pentecost. Then Leo and I will discuss the Holy Spirit, the person and work of the Holy Spirit, what we tend to get wrong about the Holy Spirit, and how we can pray more faithfully, Come Holy Spirit, as we see the Spirit's work in our lives shaped through the lens of Jesus and his activity for us. To unpack that further, we welcome Leo Sanchez to the Next Step Podcast. Leo, welcome back. My brother from another mother, as they say, <laughs> Justin Rossa. <laughs> Good to see you. Thank you. For How are things going for you? Hey, I, I seem to see these reviews of Sculptor Spirit all over the place. Your book is getting some press, man. How's it going? It's going well. It's going very well. In fact, I just uh, got done presenting on the book at the Society for Pentecostal Studies of all places. Mm. I got an invitation from uh, their ecumenical panel. It's a you know group from uh, theologians from different churches, and so they asked me to speak, talk about the book, and so I did. And then I had a response from a Roman Catholic and from a Pentecostal, and they were positive reviews. Uh, they really appreciated uh, the different models of life in the spirit as a way to. You know, speak about one's uh, spiritual journey and, and and spiritual needs, and they appreciate very much the connection to Christ and the Christ likeness. Speaking about the Spirit in terms of being shaped after the likeness of Christ, and so I thought it was very helpful. So what that what that taught me, and uh, the facilitator of the meeting said this at the end. He said, "You know, if anybody thought that Lutherans." They didn't have it in them to talk about the spirit and sanctification. Well, you cannot go and read Sculptor Spirit. And that's one of the wonderful things about ecumenical dialogue, that it can dispel myths, you know, or stereotypes, uh, you know. And so I think that uh, that was a wonderful experience. So it's going well. Excellent. You know? Well, that's uh, everything you just said about Sculptor Spirit. Uh, that was my impression of it, too. And. You know, I, I invited you to do the forward for the book because the the models you use in that book just were so helpful for me and helped frame this whole uh, discipleship travel log. So I, I wanted to ask you to just read a couple of the pages from your forward to this book. But before we do, please give me the honor of uh, invoking the Holy Spirit on our conversation today. Amen. Come Holy Spirit and uh, shape in us the life of Christ. As Jesus himself was dependent on the word in wilderness and garden, will you cause us also, also to be dependent on God's word and to cling to Jesus? And will you please bless our conversation today that we might draw closer to you as you also draw us closer to each other? Come Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And congratulations on this book coming out, Justin, and for the privilege to uh, allow me to write this forward. So. Let's read a little bit from it. Come Holy Spirit. How often have you prayed to the Holy Spirit? How regularly do you ask the Holy Spirit to come down, do his works in you, or fill you with his gifts? 
we are more used to addressing Jesus and his father in prayer with good biblical precedent. From the earliest days of the church, prayers to the Lord Jesus and God the Father have been common in Christian devotion. Often remembered as the first Christian martyr, St. Stephen prays to Jesus as he is being stoned by an enraged crowd. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. This is from Acts 7. Here, Stephen embodies his Lord Jesus' own prayers to the Father on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. From Luke 23. Stephen's prayer reflects or images the prayer of Jesus. Jesus himself teaches us how to pray. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. In the Lord's Prayer, also known as the Our Father, Jesus invites us to pray to his Father, who answers the prayers of his children. From Luke 11, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What we often miss about Luke's rendition of the Lord's Prayer is what, or more precisely, whom we are supposed to be asking, seeking, and knocking for. The answer, the Holy Spirit. Jesus compares earthly fathers to his heavenly father. If earthly fathers who are not that great when compared to God the Father, give their children good gifts when they ask, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is from Luke eleven thirteen. Jesus teaches us to ask the Father for the gift of the Spirit. In his small catechism, Martin Luther picked up on this truth in his explanation of the second petition of the Lord's Prayer. When we pray, thy kingdom come, how exactly does God answer this prayer? Luther responds that God's kingdom comes to us whenever our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit, so that through His grace we believe His Holy Word and live godly lives here in time, and hereafter in eternity. So, God's kingdom comes when we pray for the gift of the Spirit. God's kingdom or ruling in our midst happens in our lives when we ask His Holy Spirit to lead us to believe His Word and live holy lives. Here, faith and life go together. To live godly lives is to live by faith in Christ. This is all the work of the Holy Spirit for us and in us. As Luther puts it, to confess I believe in the Holy Spirit means that, quote, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but instead the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, made me holy, and kept me in the true faith, end quote.
knowing that our Father has promised to give all good gifts to his children, let us gladly take to heart Jesus' invitation and ask God to send us his Holy Spirit each and every day. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Leo. And that's just the first part of the forward. You go on a couple more pages, and I tell you, even even just getting two pages in, it makes me think that it's obvious that we should be praying to the Holy Spirit and praying for the Holy Spirit. And, you know, you kind of alluded to earlier that there's almost a, a myth out there that Lutherans have nothing to say about the Holy Spirit, and, and we don't know the Holy Spirit very well. And I guess in my own experience, uh, I, I think we don't pray to or talk about the Holy Spirit all that much. What Do you have a sense of why that might be? Well, part of it could be simply uh, sort of uh, custom, you know. Mm. Uh, we're used to uh, praying to God the Father, uh, dear Father in heaven, we might say, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, every so often... We say Almighty God or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we pray in Jesus' name. You know, every so often we'll pray to the Lord Jesus. Uh, it's there. But almost never do you hear prayers uh, to the Holy Spirit, which is kind of odd because, you know, for uh, those who have been familiar with Lutheran hymns, you have enough hymns to the Holy Spirit where we specifically ask the Holy Spirit to come, you know. Yeah. and do his work in our lives. Come Holy Ghost, Creator, bless, for instance. I mean, that's a prayer to the Holy Spirit. So we might every so often sing it, uh, but we perhaps don't realize that we're actually praying to the Holy Spirit, you know. Yeah, I, I've heard it said that different Christian denominations kind of focus on different persons of the Trinity, too. And, and if we had to pick one of the three, which we don't, but if we had to, you know, we <laughs> Jesus and kind of sanctification is great, but we're going to justification for us is the, the theology, the doctrine in which the church will stand or fall. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things I appreciate about your approach to to the spirit is how you focus on the spirit's work in the life of Jesus and how you focus us on but when the spirit works in our lives, how that also connects us to Jesus. So you're a very Christocentric ap approach to pneumatology, the study of the spirit. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder sometimes if we're afraid of getting either Jesus or the Holy Spirit wrong. And so we kind of don't like there's a danger. There's a heresy guard that keeps us from talking too much Holy Spirit, too. So I wanted to ask you that as well. In, in your experience, in your study, as you kind of present around the country, what are some of the ways that we kind of go off the rails or get the Holy Spirit wrong? Well, I mean, one one example is just sort of the generic spirituality talk, you know, where uh, we th we think in terms of maybe, um, you know, a sense of what God is telling me or something like that, you know, without discerning mm -hmm. whether that's just me talking or is the Holy Spirit, you know. So I think one of the, the advantages of speaking of the Holy Spirit in connection to Christ and the stories of Christ is that it gives us an anchor. You know, it gives us a way to actually discern the movement of the Spirit, you know. So, for instance, uh, if you look at Christ's life as the anointed one of the Spirit, you know, as one who has been given the Spirit for his mission, and that's a mission of service, then one way we can discern the Spirit in our midst is uh, uh, through Christ-like service. You know, so, so what Christ does in the Spirit helps us to discern what it means to live in the Spirit of Christ today. So I think, you know, sometimes we could fall into this sort of uh, general feeling 
about the spirit. We can do better than that. We can ground the spirit's uh, identity uh, by looking at biblical stories of the spirit and uh, the life of Christ is a good place to begin. I think maybe another one, Justin, would be to think of the spirit kind of a, merely as a power at our disposal as opposed to uh, a divine person who, who is an agent, a divine agent working in our lives, you know, and therefore, uh, uh, you know, it's not only the power of the spirit that's in us, like if it were as a thing or something like that, that we possess. No, it's, a, it's, the, it's, it's God. It's the third person of the Trinity, it's a divine agent doing stuff in and with us. It's very personal, very involved. So I think that's we're too shy sometimes to think of the spirit as a mere power, mm. you mm. know, that we kind of, you know, we, we need every so often when we need him. <laughs> <laughs> a sculptor's spirit assumes that the spirit, like a sculptor, is very much involved in the work of creation and recreation, you know, and, and so in that sense, I like to think more of the spirit, more kind of in that personal hands-on sort of way. Does that relate at all to the experience of more charismatic gifts or speaking in tongues? Or how, how does some of the more expressive modes of experiencing the Spirit play into this whole conversation? Yeah, so I think uh, one of the things that the sculptor Spirit does is that he focuses more on what might be called the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, you know, the what is the character of a life shaped by the spirit mm, you mm. know so it's a little bit more like paul talking about the fruit of the spirit being love and patience and kindness mm -hmm. and when you think about those qualities self-control is like who actually embodies this stuff jesus is a good place to mm -hmm, start mm -hmm. <laughs> and then through jesus you know uh we're shaped so that we might reflect his life and then the gifts of the spirit those could be different depending on the person but what's the same in everyone is the Christ-likeness, you know, uh, so that when Paul says uh, you could have all these gifts, uh, but if you don't have love, and mm. he's referring to Christ-like love, then what's the point of all this, you know? So I wanted to focus on the character, on the fruit, and then let the Spirit decide which gifts he wants to give everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that's one thing we have in common. We, we're all being shaped by the Spirit to, to be like Jesus, and his life is being shaped in us. That focus on, on Jesus, uh, you know, we have such a strong tradition of talking about Jesus as the Logos, as the second person of the Trinity, as the eternal word from eternity and to eternity. And, and this, that, you know, before he's even born, he's still, he's still God and he's still the second person of the Trinity. And uh, I know there's even some heresies related to like, Jesus doesn't become the actual son of God until the spirit descends. And we would say, no, that's not, that's not how the Bible reads. And, and yet when you talk about this spirit Christology, that does reverse, it tells the the story a little bit differently, but still from a very biblical perspective. So without saying Jesus doesn't become the Christ or doesn't become the son of God until the divine spirit descends, yet still there's a sense in which, well, the spirit overshadows the Virgin Mary, the spirit descends on Jesus in his baptism, the spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness. Jesus comes back out of the wilderness, according to Luke, in the power of the spirit to preach and to teach. Uh, the spirit fills Jesus with joy. I was struck by how often often what Jesus is up to is attributed to the guidance or the power of the Holy Spirit in the Gospels. And that's something we kind of miss sometimes too. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at some point you have to read the Bible, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you can't get away from these passages. Yeah. You know, so I think what's helpful is to distinguish between the incarnation and then the indwelling of the spirit. Uh, uh, and so when we talk about the incarnation, we're talking about the divine son, you know, takes our human flesh and he becomes one of us. And we talk about incarnate word, incarnate logos. And that's uniquely his work, you know, he assumes the, the human flesh, but also uh, in his humanity, you know, he, he allows the spirit to dwell in him from the moment of conception, the spirit uh, who is with him from eternity, but now in the flesh also accompanies him for his journey as the incarnate word. Yeah. And the Bible, you know, uh, speaks about that presence and activity of the Holy Spirit in and through the humanity of the Son of God. And why does Jesus bear the Spirit? Uh, one of the reasons is so that he might do his work of salvation for us and so that he might give us the Holy Spirit. You know, so from the moment of the incarnation, you can't talk about the gift of the Spirit apart from Jesus who bears the Spirit, giving us the Spirit. And as a matter of fact, I, you know, it wasn't long ago that I was reading uh, Martin Chemnitz, who was a disciple of Martin Luther, 16th century Lutheran uh, theologian. And it's interesting that he talks about this stuff. And he says, you know, the reason why Jesus, you know, was anointed with the Spirit so that he would give us the Holy Spirit. And he even has this section where he says uh, that Jesus doesn't keep the Spirit to himself, but, but is generous, so he gives us the Holy Spirit too. And I thought that that was just, I love that way of, of talking, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's beautiful. And and it is so biblical. I mean, that's one of the things that strikes me about Sculptor Spirit too. You, you interact with uh, church fathers in the book and, and you talk about uh, theologians from different denominations, including Lutherans, uh, but you are also ground these different models for sanctification in scripture itself. So there's different almost lenses, ways of seeing what Jesus is up to and what the spirit is doing in Jesus. And then that helps us see not only the story of Jesus differently, but helps us see the, the life, the spirit is shaping us differently too. So would you just really briefly maybe talk about some of those models or some of the ways you see those different lenses for viewing the Holy Spirit in scripture kind of come out? Yeah, and so you have, yeah, different uh, narratives, you know, different ways of speaking about the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. And you mentioned some of them from Scripture. So, for instance, Jesus is led by the Spirit into the desert where he's tempted, and he stands firm against the evil attacks with the Word of God. We know that the desert is also the place of prayer. You know, so here we have a way in which Jesus lives out his life in the Spirit uh, in the desert. And when you look at biblical narratives in the New Testament describing the Christian life, you know, like Ephesians and the armor of God, for instance, right? Uh, it describes the Christian life in a Christ-like way. Uh, we too, like our Lord, have to face spiritual attacks and struggles. Uh, and yet we stand firm in Him, you know, with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and with prayer at all times. So our lives reflect the life of Jesus in the Spirit. And this life is life in the desert, in the wilderness. Mm. And so this is one of the ways in which we can talk about a Christ-like life. Another one I refer well, to Well, I earlier. just, before you go on, I, I just, I love how that sanctification, when it's done poorly, becomes like 
our thing that we now do. Like God did his thing and Jesus did his thing. And now sanctification is, <laughs> is our thing that we now do. Yeah. And what you just did was in a very biblical way, say that it's, this is the, the spirits work in us. The spirit drives us also into the wilderness and there is spiritual warfare there, but it's not about me working really hard to, you know, swing the sword and wear the helmet so much as the spirit shapes in us that standing firm on God's word that, that Jesus first experienced. So I'm actively involved in the spiritual warfare, but all of a sudden it's more about Jesus and about the Holy Spirit than it is about me. And that's a real comfort for me. Yeah. See, here's where divine agency comes into play again. You know, it is always God at work in and through us. And of course we're involved, you know, and Lutheran theologians uh, in the 16th century even put it this way. They would say that we actually cooperate. Believers cooperate with the Holy Spirit in sanctification you know, in that spiritual struggle, right, uh, uh, to give that example, uh, not as if we were at the same level, but always kind of working under the, the spirit. So I thought the image of the sculptor really, yeah. really would get at this. Yeah. But you're right. Sometimes we have this sort of what would Jesus do kind of way of thinking about sanctification, right? So Jesus did his thing, and now I have to somehow be like him. So what do I have to do to get there? Uh, and in the book, what I wanted to emphasize was the spirit actually comes down and he's the one who bridges this gap Yes, between Jesus and us by forming Jesus in us. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know? And that is such a comfort. Yeah. And then I have four other models of life in the spirit, one of which I mentioned earlier. Jesus is anointed to be our servant, mm. servant discipleship. And so the spirit shapes us to be Christ's. Uh, Christ-like, not Christ-same, because we're not right, Jesus, right. but Christ-like. And so we reflect also his service, his dying to self in order to make room for others. Mm. Yeah, his. I, I like to think of that as the, his, him pouring himself out. There's that kind of he receives the Spirit and pours the Spirit out in humble service. And, and if you look at the Pentecost text in Acts chapter 2, one of the primary images, it, we, we read by it. We don't see it as clearly. We're, we were stuck on wind and maybe fire, and uh, we, we miss this pouring. But, but Peter says quite mm. clearly that, that what you see in here today, the Lord Jesus risen and ascended, he has poured out what you now see in here. And that pouring here. image for me fits in right with what you were just saying. Yeah, and you know, to go back to the, the what you said about uh, logos and spirit Christology, you know, so it's interesting to me that the disciples, the sons of Zebedee, more specifically, they want places of honor by Jesus. You know, we want to sit at your right, sit at your left. To sit at someone's right hand would have meant to share in their divine lordship over all things. But Jesus says that's not how you get to share in in me. The way you get to share in me is through service. Yeah. So you don't get to be God because only I am God. But you get to share in the form of the servant and that by the work of the spirit in you, you know. So I think that's another example in which the spirit Christology, you know, helps us to talk about how we share properly in Christ's life. In this case, servanthood, you know, as opposed to sharing in his divinity, which we can't because that's unique to Jesus. Only he is the divine mm. son. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for all of that. And, and if you are interested in 
an in-depth study of those five different models for sanctification. Leo's book is called Sculptor Spirit, Models of Sanctification from Spirit Christology. Uh, those five models also stand behind the six-week, 40-day daily discipleship travelogue called Come Holy Spirit from Next Step Press. Leo, thank you so much for joining us today. You've been such a, a good friend and good partner uh, throughout this journey, and, and thank you for sharing your insight and your spirit with us today. It's my pleasure, Justin. Uh, thank you for the partnership. I appreciate it very much. That was Leo Sanchez, author of Sculptor Spirit, Models of Sanctification from Spirit Christology, talking to me about the new book from Next Step Press called Come Holy Spirit, a discipleship travelogue for Easter to Pentecost. Before we're done, I'd like to turn to page 12 and read the last page of my introduction to the book as well. In all these ways and more, the same Spirit who filled Jesus and led Jesus and empowered Jesus and gave Jesus joy now fills, leads, empowers, and gladdens you on your journey of faith. Your job in all of this is not to put Jesus up on a pedestal as the gold standard you're supposed to strive to reach. Rather, the Spirit brings Jesus near to you and shapes Jesus in you. You are actively engaged in this process. And at the same time, you are completely dependent on the Spirit, even when you are most active in your following. So the pressure's off. When this book is done, you won't be graded on your holiness, or your effort, or your ability to pray, or even the consistency of your dependence on the Spirit. Instead, God is already now rejoicing that you've put your foot on this path. Jesus has a twinkle in his eye as he looks ahead to your prayers and struggles and joys and questions. The Spirit who connects the Father and the Son now takes up residence in your heart and makes the Father and the Son present to you, too. This whole journey is a gift of grace. The Spirit will fill you and lead you and shape you and use you. Jesus will be present with you and for you, and the Father will rejoice over you with singing. We pray, come Holy Spirit, and we entrust our lives and eternities to the promised answer, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time at Next Step Press. This episode was made possible in part by generous support of Next Step patrons. If now is the right time for you to explore becoming a Next Step patron, check out the link in the description of this podcast and visit us on Patreon. There's also a link in the description that would enable you to become a member of the Next Step community and stay up to date on books, resources, and blog posts, as well as every episode of our Next Step podcast. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you online at www.findmynextstep.org.